1: Hey, security peeps, we are here having a good time already live again in our special edition, the Super Recruiter Series. And I am the super recruiter for today. And Chris is our honorary super recruiter. And we have Alicia Curry back with us. So as you all know, I'm Renee Small, Breaking into Cybersecurity podcast series. This is a special edition where we will have um, discussions around with Alicia around the um, Assessments and Alicia was was here last week and she's going to be, you know, I'll have her jump in in a second. But Chris, say hi to everyone, everyone, my co-host and brother from another mother and Alicia, say hi to everyone. Hi, everyone. So I know last week was so much. I mean, there was so, so much engagement and people had such a good time. They wanted to learn all about what you did. So, Alicia, jump right in. Talk to us about the um, about what you do, assessments, and how they're being used in companies right now for interviewing and for um, just leadership development, things like that. Great, thank you
3: again for having me back. I'm so excited. You know, that people invite me back, that means I actually did something (laughs) of value. So, I'm I'm my name is Alicia Curry, as you said, and I am a Colby certified consultant. And when we use Colby, it's, a, it's an assessment tool that really identifies your actions based on your instinctive strengths. So there are three parts to the mind. There's the cognitive, which is the thinking, the affective, which is the feeling, and then the conative, which a lot of people don't know about, which is the doing, how do you do what you do? And that is really instinctive to you, how you solve problems and strive. And so with Colby, what we do with companies is we're able to really identify those innate strengths that you have. And through the hiring process, we can really let you know if The person you're looking to hire will execute what you need them to execute a lot of times people will want a job they're very motivated to get a job and they will look good they will say all the right things they'll 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 be like the superstar and then six months later you're like what happened what happened we we thought you were such an amazing uh recruit for us because the motivation that they had to get the job started waning and, and what you're left with is their, their action mode. How are they going to take action? And if that's not in alignment with the actual job that you have for them, then there could be opportunities to overcome. You start getting overwhelmed in your job. You start getting stressed. You start getting fatigued. And you're not performing at your uh, optimum anymore. So in the hiring process, it's really great. To do this type of cognitive assessment, because then you actually you really will pinpoint if someone will do what you need them to do. In the leadership uh, side of it, if you need someone to understand, if you you need um, you want to promote someone into leadership, you want to to create that opportunity for them. Again, if you're shifting them from one type of action, let's use an example of someone who is a top-notch salesperson and they're out there and they're selling and they're, they're a rock star. And now you want them to be in the office as a manager of salespeople. And now you switch their role from actually doing the sales, doing, um, being out there and being out, out in the field to sitting behind a desk and doing paperwork you have actually changed their action mode. And now if the, if that doesn't line up with them, suddenly this superstar rock star that you had as a salesperson, you're like, why aren't they a good leader? Why can't they, um, they were so great at what they did, but you inadvertently um, switched the actions that they have to do and not really um, know that whether or not they'd be good at paperwork whether they're at being in an office all day and and training people so it's really valuable to know where someone's innate skills are where their innate strengths are so that you can really position them to be the best the most productive and give you the highest performance that they can give you and they'll be happier healthier and so much more productive so that's kind of in a nutshell what we do
1: right and i know that you described what tends to happen a lot especially with technology professionals if you know and as you know we're in the cybersecurity space but if you're really 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 great technically at what you do what um tends to happen is you do get promoted so you do a phenomenal job as whatever you're doing technically the, the manager, the leader, you know, says, the executive says, oh, wow, you know, Chris is amazing. Let's bring him up and move him into managing other people. But Chris's real strength is doing the thing, you know, managing the people. He doesn't like to do that. He's not interested in timesheets and paperwork and all that kind of stuff. He, he wants to do his, you know, what he does best. Mm-hmm. And so we see that happening a ton. And and what what are the things that I really like about what organizations have done over the years is some, sometimes the only way to grow would be to have to go into managing people, but Mm -hmm. in the technology space, they have great tracks now where you can go up the, you know, you can still be a senior technologist, like get more and more and more, um, um, have a deeper strength and go up the ladder, so to speak, right. But just stay technical. You're just getting more and more, um, proficient.
3: And what that's where your value really is, you're, you Mm -hmm. become a master at what you do in that space. And even if you do promote them to leading a team of people, understanding the team dynamics is so valuable. That's another, another really uh, benefit of Colby is understanding team dynamics, so that now they're not the only one trying to manage all this stuff. If, If you know someone on your team is really that follow through person that will be great at the paperwork. Well, they can be assigned the timesheets and the paperwork and doing those things because that's where their strength lies. When your strength might might lie in actually training other people how to do what you do and all that other stuff is.
2: And then I would differentiate between being a manager and being a leader. So being a leader is understanding the team dynamics, helping to motivate people to do what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Whereas sometimes being a manager is doing all the managerial stuff, like the timesheets and the paperworks. And um, there's people that hate doing that, um, but you're good at everything else. You're good at the doing, you're good at leading the people, uh, but you're not good at the, the minutia that tends mm-hmm. to come with that level of responsibility
3: exactly and understanding that that is who you're working with either giving them more latitude to get it done or allowing them the opportunity to have someone who's who that really is in their wheelhouse to do allowing that shared work to be done so that it is getting done and it's getting done at a high level because that's really where their strength lies so If that's really where someone's strength lies they will do it so much faster than you would do it it'll take you probably all day to slough through all of it and it'll take them like an hour to get all of it done and so really understanding how to manage that time and how to manage those opportunities is where colby colby gives you that insight so that you can you can delegate things more effectively
2: so one of the things that, that you mentioned or that the conversation that I was having that, that was happening before we went live was in COVID with either uh, diminishing budgets and reducing team size, how do you best allocate um, the remaining work amongst the rest of the people? Um, and and you mentioned that, that Kobe can help with that, but um What are some of the the best ways for managers to to understand what what are the instinctual backbones of a task so that they could best assign it?
3: Ah, that's a good thing, because with Colby, there are three assessments. There is the A assessment, which is the personal assessment you take on yourself to, to understand who you are. So that's your reality. There's a B assessment, which is what you do every day. So it's your perception of your job that you have to do every day. And then there's a C assessment, which is your manager or supervisor's assessment, um, sorry, perception of what you do every day. So with a manager, what we do is we do that C assessment. We have a consultation and we really drill down what do you need this person in this position to do every day? that would be success in this job. So it's up to them to really design what needs to be done to to understand. And I I I'm not sure, but I don't think a lot of people really drill it down like that. Like they don't really sit down and think about what is what does success look like in this position? What do they have to do every single day, every week that has to get done like The actual doing what activities need to be done that is success in this position so that when the person comes in, they don't now start having their own perception of what it is they have to do. It's actually the job. It's not like just a vague job description. It is really laid out. And what helps with that too, is that when you are interviewing for that job position, you really know what you want, what you're looking for. And then when we match that Colby A to that C, we we get to really know, yes, this person is in alignment with what you need them to do versus, well, I think they can do the job, you know? Um, so you really now have someone Not just qualified by their resume, not just you get along well in the interview, but you know that they're going to do the tasks that need to be done. So that Colby C is very, very vital for managers and leaders and and supervisors to be able to drill down the exact tasks that this job will be successful in this job.
2: I, I'm sure Renee sees this all the time with managers not knowing exactly what like needs to be in their job description, what they, they need care. from a person, like all oh these things. God.
1: It's, it's it, You know what's fascinating? I saw, I, I put up a post this week and asked for people's comments and questions around what they want to learn more about. And one of the things that came up was around job descriptions and what managers look for. And consistently people tend to blame HR. They're always like, oh, HR needs job descriptions. And I am working on right now, I'm gonna do a presentation on this live one of these some trying to do it this week, but it'll probably end up being next week, where we can walk through what really happens. Like the manager writes the job description, the leader writes the job description. HR is at the end of the process. HR is like, okay, I came to HR and 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 it's done. It's baked. And then HR can help tweak it, kind of look over it again, make sure, add in certain verbiage, make sure it has the right language, that kind of stuff. But overall, HR isn't sitting around writing job
0: descriptions.
2: But so, I know what happens. As a busy manager, you go out on the Internet and you research a generic job description and you copy and paste it. And you like, I don't have time to do the rest of it. Let right. HR tweak it and. And, and address it and then nothing happens and the cycle just continues.
1: Gets,
3: yeah. <laughs> For real. So really looking at what is the result that we need to happen on a daily, weekly, monthly, you know, what does success really look like? And then let's work it backwards. Let's really see what tasks need to be done on a monthly basis, a weekly basis, a daily basis. And then that's now, that
1: becomes your job description. what you actually have to do in your job. Right. So Ben says, um, do you recommend occasionally retaking these sorts of personality tests? Do results differ for the same person over time? That's a great question. That's a great question because I can
3: make the distinction. This is not a personality test. So personality tests do change from time to time based on where you are in your life and um, what your experiences have been. So something that was really really uh important for you in your 20s when you were working in your 40s may not be the same priority that you have it and even in the position that you're in so you may need to 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 harness like uh strength finders have what is it 30 30 um 30 strengths but your top five shift based on where you are and what what needs you have at that time so you can pull something else within your top 10. Those top 10 will probably rotate a lot. Um, the Colby assessment is not a personality assessment. It is a cognitive assessment. It's been around for 40 years and it is, has been validated. And the test retake um, statistics is a one to two variable. Very, uh, it's very seldom that someone will actually jump an action mode from resistance to initiating. Where you are is typically where you'll be. And um, like I said, it's like a one to two point variable over a 40 year span. People, they've had a, a, a like a control group retake the test every 10 years and it hasn't really changed that much. So when you take it, who you are, even if you took it as a child, um, they don't recommend taking it until you're in high school, but from that age onward you're you're pretty much your action is your action mode is your action mode. These are your instincts. This is how you will always look to solve problems. This is the pattern, the predictable pattern that you will have. So someone who is a let's say um a counteracting quick start, which means you you're a stabilizer, you always look for stability, you're always the one that, that looks at what's working and keeping that working. You will not become someone who is a risk taker um, generally. So you may take risks once in a while in your life, but generally you won't become that ideation person, that person that's always looking to move and change and, and switch up and, and take chances and take risks. That doesn't, that doesn't happen. So, Alicia, what, you said what age? At what age? Uh, At high they school, well, they can do it from, I think, 13 and up. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they typically recommend that you do it in high school. Mm-hmm. That way, where you are in high school, and then when you start working, there you kind of already have a, a, a benchmark of what your skill, what your, I don't want to use the word skill, what your strengths are, because it's yeah. very different, what your instincts are.
1: I've heard uh, some some people say kindergarten teachers know they they know kids from kindergarten. You know, well, is, kind of- I'm glad you said
3: that because Kathy Colby, who who developed this system, she was a teacher, a school teacher, and that's where she saw it. Her father was the Wunderlich was her, her maiden name was Wunderlich, so her father started the Wunderlich assessment, which is a cognitive assessment, and being that she was. Um, she had dyslexia, severe dyslexia. She always felt that there was another way to measure someone's uh, someone's strength, other than your cognitive strength, um, other than cognitive. So as a school teacher, she started noticing that when she gave kids stuff to do and they didn't have any kind of direction or instruction, they would always solve the problem. The same, like each kid will always they had a go-to every single time and she started to track that go-to she's like this one would solve it this way this one would solve it this way and that's kind of where that came from what is your instinct to solve problems and she started doing a lot of research into the cognitive part of the mind very
1: interesting okay, uh, um, okay. So um, for I think it's mostly me, but I'm going to go down, hold on one second here. Um, People are asking about, um, so Ben says, thank you for the answer and clarification of the type of assessment. So there's some questions here that are mostly kind of focused on you know, HR related stuff, which is fine. So I'll jump in. Uh, Goberto wants to know, he says, I've been technically minded and have held a couple of technical positions. I'm trying to now break into cybersecurity, have had a couple of interviews, but thinks his lacking of experience, but his lack of experience in that specific field is hindering him from getting in the door. He thinks because he's pretty eager to get in the field, it probably shows and he's not speaking as confidently. So I think he's getting nervous. So he said he knows uh, he would excel, but communicating that is a hard part. Do we think that hiring managers take that into account? So um, I'll answer this. I think that there are managers, everyone knows that people are nervous on interviews, like interviewing, you know, (laughs) most people aren't just professional interviewers, going out there and interviewing over and over again. And even the ones that do interview, um, can't.
2: (laughs) I do this every day.
1: Can get caught up in in interviewing, um, and so the one thing I would say, goberso is that remember that an interview is um, a two way conversation. So it's not you know you wanna you wanna have questions prepared for you want to be interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you, and thinking about it as like tossing a ball back and forth. So if you're playing tennis and you know the ball is going back and forth. Um, and they are and you're kind of asking them more about the you know their culture, what's happening inside of their organization, how the leader leads. Um, and I think that the more you I mean interviewing is just nerve-wracking. It is what it is and I know people try to put their best foot forward. But the best interviews are when you're going back and forth and the managers are talking too. you don't want you don't want to feel like it's not an interrogation like they it's ask not an a question, you can't say it's not an interrogation. Ask.
2: I, I, yeah, I look at it like talking to a friend. So I pretend that that manager is um, possibly a future friend. So I want to be comfortable with them, um, have that conversation back and forth. And if it practice makes perfect. So if it means you have that mock interview with your friend um, who's pretending to be a hiring manager or someone, one of your peers that understands the search that you're going through, I think that will help um, because oftentimes I know they don't engage in those types of conversations until it's the interview. So it might be once every four or five years or once every two or three years, um, but that's a long time not to have practice. So have practices on a regular basis. Treat your one-on-ones like an interview. Treat all sorts of different events in your life like an interview and then it just becomes normal for you.
3: Can I also chime in a a second? Because the I also believe that when you really understand what you bring to the table, whether you have experience in it or not, when you understand, and I'm not just talking about your cognitive strengths, because that's important too, because when you understand what you can what you are innately wired to do and you can articulate those strengths. And you can also articulate other strengths that you have. So you know what you're bringing to the table of this for this organization. And it is a benefit for them. Um, when you can see yourself as, listen, they'll be they would be so it would be so valuable to them to have me on their team. You really approach it from a different perspective. And I'm not saying it in an arrogant way or in a cocky way, but in a self-assured way that whether you get that opportunity whether they offer you that job or not they know you're leaving this interview them knowing listen this guy or this girl brings xyz to the table maybe this position's not right for them but something else might come up that they'll say you know what we interviewed such and such uh, a couple weeks ago they'll be perfect for this so always leave them Feeling like you would be such a value to them, even if not for this position, because now you're becoming top of mind to them and not maybe for this position, but something else might come up that they you'll be the first person they call. So um, don't be nervous. Really understand who you are and the strengths that you have that you bring to the table.
0: That's-
2: and yeah, yeah. Also have that conversation with them too, where you acknowledge that hey, you might not be the right fit, but these are the other skills that you bring to this. If they don't have a role right now, um, think of them for the future. Like, If you feel during that interview that it's not the best fit for you, not the best fit for them, it's time to have that conversation. Like, hey, I really like the company. I really like the culture. I really like what the mission behind this organization is. And it sounds like we're not clicking on this particular position but um, I'm still interested in having conversations about other roles, and then that's how you can open up that conversation.
1: It, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, it goes to Lewis as, is asking a question. I hope I'm pronouncing your name, Mike. Lewis, he says, most technical interview ask questions on topics. They're prolific, but not part of, I know Chris has to jump. Bye, Chris. Mm-hmm. So um, Lewis says, most technical interviews are asking questions on topics that they're prolific, but not part of the job description. How do, how do you want to pro- approach that? And it's kind of the same thing. You know, what Alicia was just saying, like, you want to make sure and Chris, you want to make sure that you are sharing what your strengths are, um, clarifying the questions. Sometimes they ask questions and you might not understand fully what they're looking for. Um, ask for a for instance. Give me an example of what you're Give talking
3: about, example. so that you
1: have context for what it is that they're they're actually asking. It's a great point. I, I'm I'm huge on that. I, I I live by examples. Like explain it to me. Give me an example. Um, however way you process information, you want to be able to ask them, what do they mean? You want to be able to. You want to make sure that you're answering the right question. So. Um, these are all like, you know, really good questions.
3: Yeah. Clarity and communication in an interview is very, very important because like you said, they might ask a technical question and their terminology in their culture might be different than the terminology that you just came from. So Mm -hmm. they may say something that you don't understand, but you've been, you've done it a hundred times just that you don't really understand the way that they're explaining it to you.
1: I literally, That happened with a candidate I was dealing with last week. Exact same situation. He, the way that the leader in this one particular group had a different definition of the, the um it was vulnerability management, had one specific definition of it. And then this person came around and that person didn't have that same definition. And then right. as the interview went on, he's like, wait a minute, I do that every day. You know, right. he, he circled back at the end and said, you know, this is what I do every day. Like, oh, this is what you're talking about? So definitely um, making sure that you get that clarity around what people, you know, people call different things. They call the same same thing for five different things. All the time, all the time. Sometimes Um, people tell me
3: something, they say, oh, have you ever heard of such and such a term? And I'm like, no. And then when they start explaining, it's like, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, but we call it this, so.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Gilberto thinks that um, awesome advice, especially the conversational aspect, that piece may be missing. So he's happy. Um, and Sergi says, great advice on an interview dynamic. Thank you. So I know interviewing is always such a tough, um, you know, a tough part of, of of the interview, of the process, of the hiring process. yeah. And then, okay. especially now adding in, Alicia, I don't want, you know, go ahead. adding in um, this, this component now, like the video component, which puts another layer of, I think, you know, nervousness, because it's one thing to, now you're looking at yourself on camera and all of that. <laughs> and so we had a, someone come in a couple of weeks ago and talk about that as well. Um, but go ahead. And there's another question coming in. Oh, I was, I was, what was I going to say now? (laughs) Slapping
3: at what you were saying with the video. It's, it, when you, if they're using Colby as a tool and they've asked you to take a Colby uh, assessment and then they ask you in for an interview, one of the things that you can rest assured in, in that process, because if they did ask you is that you are already, qualified not just by education or by, by um, um, your resume, but also you're in alignment with what they need you to do. So having been called into an interview after doing your Colby assessment, you should feel a lot more comfortable because it'll probably be one of three or five candidates that actually have whittled down to being in that position. So um, I just wanted to say that if they do use it as a hiring tool, Mm -hmm. and then you get called in for an interview, just know that you're in alignment with what it is. And now it's just a matter of personality and how you click within the team and that kind of stuff to look at the dynamics.
1: That's such a good point. And I, and, and even without Kobe's so though, in, in situations where there's either another assessment or there's no assessment, that's another thing to build confidence in people. When you get the interview, you're not proving, you know, on paper, you're qualified. So you're like already, people, they already like you. They already have they already determined out of hundreds of people, you're, you know, the five people. We one wanna, you know, yeah, a, we want to see you. So I want people to kind of take a step back and remember that, like getting to the interview in and of itself is a, victory. a huge, it's a victory. Like it is a huge deal to get it, to get the chance to be in front of this person when two or 300 other people or how many other people are applying for different jobs did not. So mm-hmm. that goes to show that all you did, you know, your effort in putting together your resume and all that stuff is working. It's just now kind of getting the interviewing practice down. So yeah. someone says here, okay, so Lewis says thanks for the response. Chris before says this is very informative. Thank you all. Um, I wanted to go back to, there was a question. Judy, I think it was Judy. Okay, so Judy Wickens asked how should you explain a break of your resume? And Chris responded to her, um, uh, truth, the truth is usually the best way to do it. So Judy yeah I, I would agree with Chris. Chris had written her back and said the truth is the best way to do it so if you took a break for to take care of you know family members or you know for some some family related emergency to go back to school whatever it is I would just fill in that that space with that so if there was a gap and it was two years and it's like what were you doing what what you want to do especially with interviewing I mean and with resumes in particular, is you want to take out any doubt out of a manager's mind to rule you out. You want to get ruled in and not and not ruled out. So I say to people all the time it to add in like wherever that gap is. So let's say from this is 2020 and you had a job for two years or whatever, but then there's a gap between 2016 and 2018 where you either started a family or you had to take care of family members or you had a family emergency or something like that. You could just write that in there, you know. Take what about life. if you went to jail? Yeah, that's a that's a, that's that's a whole different you know, on break, on vacation. <laughs>
3: that's a, that's, a, that's a whole <laughs> different avenue. Goodness, <laughs> Stewart call it? I forgot what she <laughs> called it. Um, she went to God. Yale. That's what she said. She Thank went to goodness Yale.
1: Goodness, <laughs> gracious. I went to um, Yale for, for
3: six months. <laughs>
1: We're really turning this into a party. But anyway, anyway, um, write whatever that is in like one sentence. You don't have to be, you know, it doesn't have elaborate. to be long. You don't
3: have to elaborate. You don't
1: have to elaborate. Just say, you know, took a break for X reason, you know, went back to school, whatever the case is for that 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 break. So you just want that to be filled in so that they're not questioning why is this person? Why does they have that? Why do they have that gap? Steve says, hanging out in Belize, living off your fortune while ziplining through the jungle and drinking coca coca Locos on the beach for a year or two is perfectly legitimate. I agree, one hundred percent. I one hundred percent agree. <laughs> so Jeff Poindexter says, okay, there's a lot of comments in here. Um, Dan Tinsley says the number one thing I look for is to be authentic, and that can be a deciding factor. So that's another. You know, managers say this all the time. They look for passion. They look for authenticity you know, for you, you know, coming in and being yourself because you don't want to be a different person on an interview and then you get in the job and you're a whole different, whole different person. Like who wants that? So Dan, thank you for that comment. Thank you so much for these comments. Mm -hmm. Um, Jeff says many times at an interview, I feel so confident that I got the job based on my experience and on-the-spot feedback, only to learn shortly thereafter that I didn't get the job. What they HR don't tell you is why. Why wow. I'm starting to ask them why, and I'm shocked most of the time. Yes, it's how you answer the questions. Most of the time, it's a problem they have and work itself, never based on my personality or experience. I feel they might think I would be boring or be, would be bored. I don't really know. Nice to have more results so I can improve. So, Jeff, the one thing, okay, there's a couple different things when it comes to um responses you likely will not you know whatever it is this this, so this is what i tell people all the time there are so many deciding factors with interviewing with jobs with all different types of stuff right so you know you could have um a situation where companies are interviewing and they have somebody that they know that they want for the job anyway but they got to go through the interview process it's unfortunate but it happens um, you could have a situation where um, for whatever reason, you your, your personality, you, they don't feel that you would be the right fit for the team. That means all different types of things. I'll give you an example. We had a situation, I was working with a company that wanted to hire a person um, who was going to be getting rid of like pretty much moving, like downsizing the organization. The, the, we interviewed a ton of people some, some of the people, they were really, really, um, you know, nice, very competent, could do the job, everything else. This one person, for lack of better words, was like a hard ass. Like he was just mm-hmm. one of these people that he tried to be kind of nice, but we knew like underneath he was not you know, <laughs> that person. That's the person they wanted for the job because they knew that he was going to come in and execute. And- and do what needed to be done. Whereas somebody else might've been like, oh, you know, I tend to be, oh, well, let's think about this and that or whatever. Like I, I probably wouldn't have been the best fit for that. But this particular person was the right fit. Or if you have, I'll give a, a different <laughs> example. Um, and I know we got to jump soon. Um, but in another scenario, I was in a, a, a different company um, and we're hiring and we had two um, really seasoned, really domineering personality uh, people on the team. And we had another opening and the, the person who at the time was interviewing also had this domineering type of personality. So I went back to the leader and said, hey, you know, <laughs> this person could do the job, no question. But do you want another, <laughs> do you want another person in here to to, to be like, yeah right. just butting heads all day long butting heads all day long so even though that person was the right she could do the work no question she could do the work the manager went with someone else who was ended up being like a perfect fit for the team less experience much less experience also did a great job but just for the harmony of the team this fit. Yeah. so there's so many things that are involved that they cannot come out and tell you, hey Jeff, you know, you're a really nice guy. We need a mean person or you know, like all of yeah. that. So all I'm saying there aren't specifics. There's not specifics. There's really not specifics. It's very, very, you know, as much as you try to be objective, it's very subjective. There's so many things and there's so many just factors going on. Um you might have a the, the people like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, they have a Ph.D. and they're applying to entry level. And the manager thinks, well, gosh, this person has a Ph.D. Like, why are they coming? Well, why are they, you know, overqualified, you know, or this person was a was a, a leader used to manage 50 people. You know, why do they want to come in and be an individual contributor now? They're going to come and take over. You know, yeah, like, so always, all these pre-con- preconceived. A lot of stuff going on in people's heads, yeah. all this stuff. So all I can say. A lot is, of biases just keep going. Don't worry about why not, you know, just keep, you know, be your, be best, your, best. Self. Be your best self, be your best self. That's, that's all you can do. Um, And, and continue. And you'll get to the company. That's the right fit for you. Like the, for whatever reason, you'll be that fit and they'll be that fit for you and you'll be happy yeah. um, versus some of these other situations. And then at least what Alicia and Chris talked about earlier, earlier is you might not be the fit for this role but a different role that shows up you could be a fit for that so Thanks. that's my advice when it comes like that so Chris talks about it <laughs> sounds like having multiple alpha personalities on one scene. yeah yeah you can't you have like much. you can't and that's
3: one of the <laughs> things with with oh. uh, Colby is team dynamics we work really really diligently on team dynamics to make sure that team's are functioning very synergistically and they, we don't have that kind of conflict happening within teams to make sure we bring those mediator people type type um, strengths in a team so that we have balance and synergy in teams so that we're always productive and not
1: butting heads. Right, so Chris, uh, no, Tony says, no, sorry, Judy, I'm gonna go back to Judy. Judy says um, family matters, but people may question loyalty to the company. So then that's not the right company. So Judy, if they if if they are concerned with you taking time off to take care of your family or whatever it is that you have done, and this is, is that the type of manager that you wanna work for? You know, if mm-hmm. you're, something happens to a grandma and you gotta take time off, like, are they gonna be flexible? There's tons of, companies are built up of people on the inside. And if they are questioning that, then, I would say yeah. it's not the right. Fit. You know, do you want that job? Not the right fit. So, because um, uh, like you said earlier,
3: you're interviewing them too. Don't just make this a one way street where they're interviewing you to see if you fit. You also interview them and the culture that there is there and the opportunities that's there for you to grow and develop in the the organization as well. You want to know that you're going in and that you have growth potential there too. That this isn't like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a glass ceiling and I can't go anywhere from from here. So Mm -hmm. you want to also be in that position of understanding the, the company, understanding the job, what is management like, what is leadership like, do they train you to be better at your job, you know, find out all those things, what opportunities are there. So are they going to give you time off if something happens um, to your family members? You know, you interview them too. Like Renee said, you find out what kind of company it is and if, if you'll fit into there. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm having Fridays. That's important to you,
1: (laughs) (laughs) exactly. I mean, it's so true. I have a. I I was interviewing, talking to a lady this earlier this week, and she sent the question: What is what is your company, the company that I'm working with? What are you all doing in terms of COVID nineteen? How are you supporting your employees? Those are valid questions. I mean, she's spot on. What are the what what What's the company doing? How Mm -hmm. are you protecting your employees? So, um, okay. So Chris says, piggybacking off of my story, I have a he has seen teams with three or four alpha types um or type a personalities and needless to say it was a disaster yeah <laughs> you don't want to be in that if you're the alpha you know you don't want to be with three four more alphas like that's literally dogs barking all day <laughs> you know like it's just pure headbutting all day long and it's 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 you I'm know, if we think about dan talks about that. this Totally unproductive. So, Dr. Dan comes on on Mondays. He talks about teams. He works with a lot of professional athletes. There's one quarterback. There's one. You know, there's a certain amount of. He talks. He always does the football analogies. I know Angelique is a big football analogy person too. Me too. And <laughs> Alicia too. So, you know, you think about teams just in general, and we we tend to not bring it to the corporate side, but sports teams. You know, you everybody plays a position. So. It, this is the same thing. So when you're interviewing, kind of think of it like that. Like everyone's kind of playing a specific position, and you don't want to be in a situation, even though it it's defeating. I get it. I, I I mean, I totally get it. You want people, you want them to like you. You want the job. You know, you think it's the right fit for you. All that good stuff. But I am telling you, it is so not about you. Although <laughs> it kind of is about you, but it's so there's so many factors. I think I'm just going to do a live stream on like all types of scenarios that happen behind the scenes. Yeah. Behind I really do because I think people are hired. Yeah. this this like so, so you Don't move there blaming
3: yourself or feeling that you're inadequate or you weren't not good enough. So a lot of times do it's not. nothing about, you know, like when you break up in a relationship and they say it's not, it's not you, it's me. So true. A lot of times it is them and it's not you it sometimes so they don't even have their stuff together like we talked about earlier about knowing what the position even is yep. sometimes we don't even have all of that together no, and you don't they don't On its nest you don't want to walk into a, a, a hot mess or something either
1: so true so tony says great stuff but the rules are constantly changing and being written as we go that is the truth tony i agree so um alicia we are at 42 minutes goodness yes. gracious Yeah.
3: So that's why that is really important, too. I'm uh, having really tight job descriptions is really important. So those rules don't always they're not fluctuating all the time and it's not based on preference and and all of that. Colby reduces preferences. It reduces biases. It reduces all of that uh, unless they really have someone in mind for the job already. And regardless of what happens, they're going to hire them anyway. Kobe yeah. is really one of those tools that removes all those barriers.
1: So if you want to connect with Alicia, Alicia, how do they, out, I'm tagging you in the post. I'm going to tag yeah. you. Um, I've been tagging you in here so they know about you. Um, like like we said before, um, the Kobe has been used. I mean, there's multiple different assessments out there. If you've been around, especially somebody like me in HR, we've done all different types of StrengthsFinder. The, there's one mm-hmm. called Hogan. There's another one. Oh, Alicia a, yeah, Myers-Briggs, there's tons of them. So Alicia is focused in the um, Kobe space. If you want to connect with Alicia, I'm going to tag her in here. Is there anything else you want to say, Alicia, before we wrap? Just that in response to COVID-19, if there are companies
3: that are reducing labor forces and trying to figure out how to really balance the workforce that they have with the again, the tasks that need to be done, using Colby to help you streamline that would be very, very effective for you to really get you up and running. And if you're looking to hire new people and hire teams, again, using Colby assessments to help in that hiring process and really drill it down to to getting the right people for the positions, that is something that my company does for organizations um, to really get you productive quickly instead of trying to figure it all out. Now that everything's kind of been tossed up in the air and, and trying to find a place to land. Um, so yeah, so they can, they can contact me here on LinkedIn. They can connect with me or go to alicia360.com and connect with me there.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you all, everyone. Thank you so much for this engagement. There's so many, so many awesome questions and comments, um, and we will see you tomorrow. We have someone coming in. Um, yeah, we have. Uh, thank you so much, Renee. By the way, for being absolutely. In. No, we want to you know be able to provide this information, like. For for people, um, especially during right now, like everyone's it's Yeah, so much- I know,
3: and you can individually take an assessment too. Don't feel like the company has to give it to you. You can understand your own strengths. You can get coaching around what it is you do best most distinct um instinctively as well. So you can do your Colby. Um just connect with me to and I can give you some more information about that.
1: Awesome. All right. Thank you, folks. See you all here tomorrow, 11-ish. And I joke around 11-ish because who knows, <laughs> my my kids don't let me <laughs> be here exactly at 11. So exactly. see you all tomorrow. Bye, Alicia. Thank Bye, you. Renee. Thanks. Bye, Renee.